following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw or our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. I want to be just completely honest with you here and say that there really is quite an irony to me standing up here today at this moment in my life and talking to you about the practice of rest. Because Anna and I really are in just one of the busiest seasons of our lives and it just feels like anything but restful at the moment. We've got three preschoolers at the moment. One of them's just 12 weeks old. He's pretty demanding, pretty tricky. And although hopefully he's sleeping peacefully at the back there at the moment, but it's full on, it's intense. Um, I was listening to someone the other day talking about their experience of um, them and their wife adding another child into their family. And he said, you know, it's a bit like, imagine that you're juggling a whole lot of flaming chainsaws and you're blindfolded. And then someone hands you a baby. That's basically what it's like. So it's full on, it's intense, and I've, I've seen this topic coming on the horizon. I wanted to deal with the practice of rest in the series, but I've got to admit, honestly, I've approached it with a bit of fear and trepidation because I honestly feel, what do I really have to say about rest other than that I need some <laughs> and uh, could really do with some right now? So um, that's just my confession at the start, and I know I'm no busier than many of you. Um, most of us live just full on lives. Uh, we just feel the constant pull of a lot of different responsibilities, a lot of different demands on our time, a lot of different pressures, responsibilities at work and at home and in our extended families, in other organizations that we're involved in, responsibilities in church, and we are pulled in so many directions at the same time. And we do our best, don't we, to meet all those demands. We find ourselves a lot of the time just literally running from one thing to the next, just from one meeting to the next, one runny nose to the next, one commitment to the next, one family member to the next, whatever it is that's engaging your time. We're just constantly moving, and we have very little time to really reflect on the condition of our heart and try to find a deep sense of rest. Then in the last decade, you add to that the technological revolution of smartphones and tablets, and I think they've fundamentally redefined the nature of busyness now. So, so it's not just with smartphones and tablets, it's not just now that you're doing more stuff, it's that you're doing more stuff at the same time. That's, that's what's happening, isn't it? So you're in a work meeting now and you're checking emails. You're trying to look after one kid on the playground and you're also posting on Facebook. You know, you're, you're in a lecture and you're also texting. And we do this even when we are supposedly resting. You're watching TV, you're still checking Facebook. Right? You're having coffee with a friend and you're also sending a selfie of you and your friend to another friend who's not even there. And so we're at the point now where only doing one thing at a time just feels unproductive. It just feels like we're wasting time if we're just doing one thing. We've got to be engaged in at least several things at the same time to feel like we're actually making any traction. And this, this sense of being really outwardly busy often leaves us feeling really inwardly depleted if we're honest with ourselves. It's not just that we're actively engaged in all of these things. So much of the time, we can be inwardly drained. You feel tired, you feel stressed, you feel stretched in all these different directions, you feel dry on the inside and really empty and really worn down. You, you can have a sense of being scattered and unfocused so that when you are 
with someone, I don't know whether you find this, now maybe it's the technology thing, I don't know, but when you are with someone, it's very hard to be present with one person. That's, that's, that's taking more and more work, I think, because we're finding that our minds are just going to all kinds of other things when we're trying to be present with one person, all kinds of other tasks, all kinds of other people, all kinds of other places. It's very hard to be in the moment. It's very hard to be present with just one person and have one conversation at a time. And when we do take those moments, maybe like this morning through the service, of just trying to rest and be still, we can find that on the inside our soul is just being eroded. Our spirit's just being eroded like waves pounding against rocks over time. Our soul's just being worn down by this constant pace of life. And from time to time, we get these hints that maybe there's another life that's possible. Maybe there's a life where we can experience some kind of rest. We get glimpses of it, maybe. We, we see tastes of it. But for the most part, I think most of us are resigned to the fact that that life is called heaven. And we don't really expect to see much of it this side of our funeral, do we? So we just slog on. We just plow through the next day and we just carry on in this machine that we've somehow gotten tangled up in. Well, I want to come back this morning to uh, those words that Jared read in Matthew 11 and a couple of verses after that. These words where Jesus talks about resting, what it really means to rest. And I use those words right at the beginning of this series to define the whole nature of the Christian life as a life that Jesus invites us into, which is fundamentally characterized by a deep rest for our souls. Uh, Not necessarily a rest apart from busyness, but a rest in the midst of busyness. And I think that life is possible. The Christian life is not supposed to be draining and soul-destroying. It is supposed to be life-giving. Life with Jesus is supposed to be a life in which we're being refreshed on the inside, even while we're actively busy on the outside. So let's look again at Matthew 11, and I'll read verse 28 to 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, this yoke that Jesus is talking about here, it's, it has nothing to do with an egg, for starters. Uh, if you think it does, you're going to have some really weird theology. Uh, it's, not, it's not an egg yoke. A yoke was uh, like a harness or a crossbar that you'd put over an animal or a person. People wore yokes too. Uh, as a way of distributing a load. So it would, it would spread whatever load you're carrying across your shoulders, enable you to carry it more effectively and in a more balanced way. So Jewish rabbis of the first century and, and a few centuries prior took this idea of the yoke and they developed it as a metaphor, a metaphor for speaking about the Jewish law, the Torah. And they talked about taking on the yoke of the Torah And and this was what was required for Jewish people. And it was a reference to a person assuming responsibility for carrying out all the demands of the law. You take upon the yoke of the law means that I commit myself, I submit to the law, and I will do my best to faithfully live out its requirements day by day. That's what the yoke of the law meant. So when Jesus comes along and starts talking about taking upon us his yoke, Immediately, that's the association people would have had that because they heard these rabbis always talking about you've got to take on the yoke of the Torah. But Jesus isn't saying we should take on the yoke of the law. 
He isn't talking about the yoke of the Torah. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. There's some kind of new yoke that Jesus is introducing here. And that's quite a scandalous concept. The idea that there would be some kind of new law or new way of living. Because there was only the one law for the Jewish leaders. The one law that people were to conform to. But here's Jesus saying, no, no, take, take my yoke. I have this yoke and, and my burden is easy. And you can learn from me and you'll find rest for your souls. I think this yoke that Jesus is talking about is not just another body of commandments. He's not just swapping one law for another, one, one set of prescriptions for another. I think fundamentally the yoke that Jesus is talking about is the yoke of himself. It's the yoke of his own person, his identity, that we take on. That's why he says, come to me. Come to me, you who are weary. He's inviting us to come to himself and to take on the person of Jesus as this yoke upon our shoulders. Not to buckle under the weight of an intense law or set of commandments, but to enter into a relationship that is life-giving, where we can find rest for our souls. This being yoked to Jesus, it means sharing in his life. It means sharing in his death. It means sharing in his resurrection. It means sharing in his own relationship with God so that we have the same intimacy with, with God the Father that Jesus had through the Holy Spirit, that we're clothed with him. We're clothed with his righteousness. We're clothed with his identity. We bathe ourselves in Jesus. The very identity of Jesus becomes that crossbar over our shoulders. And that's not a heavy burden. That's a relationship where we find this deep, in a rest for our souls. And it's a rest because when a person belongs to Jesus, they find rest from all of their striving and all of their trying to prove themselves to whoever, themselves, other people, God, whatever. We find rest in Jesus from all of that. Rest from having to conform to a certain law in order to be accepted by God. Rest from fearing, fearing our future. Rest from regretting our past. We find this deep resting where we are totally secure and totally anchored in the very presence of God because of what Jesus has done for us. Totally secure in the arms of God. That's the deepest level of spiritual rest. One of the great theologians of the church, St. Augustine, put it beautifully. He said about God, he made it a prayer and said, You've made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. It's a beautiful image. It's the image that that song Restless is based on, that our hearts are restless. They're always yearning. They're always wandering. They're always searching for hope and for meaning and for truth and for beauty and for purpose. But they're restless, restless, restless until they find their rest in Jesus. He is the one who offers us true rest at the deepest, innermost level of our being and I just say to you this morning that if you don't know Jesus that rest is available to you it's available to you today Jesus is holding out his arms to you and he's inviting you to enter into his rest and to know that rest for your restless soul in him now it is true that you can enter into that rest that Jesus brings and still feel day to day like you're worn down and stressed out and tired and drained on the inside. It's one thing to enter into this rest, this deep rest of Jesus, to be yoked to Jesus. 
It's another thing to live it out and to experience that rest in our lives day to day. That is something that I think is a lifetime journey. And funnily enough, this practice of rest, it is a discipline. It's kind of a strange irony, but the practice of rest is maybe the one that takes the most work, that takes the most effort, in a sense, to really rest because we're so unused to it. We find it so difficult to to experience the rest of Jesus on an ongoing basis. But I think part of the reason for that is because we tend to see resting and working as opposites. And we tend to assume that if you're working, you can't be resting, and if you're resting, you can't be working. But I think the kind of life of rest that Jesus invites us into is not a rest from work. It's a rest in the midst of work. I think the book, The Here and the Tortoise, makes this point really well, that we confuse rest with leisure. And leisure and work are mutually exclusive. If you're taking leisure time, you're not working in a sense if you're working you're not usually taking leisure but rest is different rest is deeper and rest is something that we can experience even in the midst of a busy life even in the midst of an outwardly chaotic life we can still learn to experience a deep rest for our soul if you belong to jesus you're already anchored in his rest and our lives become a process of living out of that rest as our defining center each day of our lives Now, someone who has taught Christians a lot about this, a lot about practicing rest as an ongoing discipline, is a guy called Brother Lawrence. Uh, His real name was Nicholas Herman, and he's a monk. He was a monk in the 17th century. Now, before you write him off because he's a monk and what else did he have to do except rest, uh, to be fair on Brother Lawrence, he worked in the monastery kitchen, uh, which was, you know, a bustling place of activity. And later in life, because of health issues, he became a sandal maker. So he had vocations similar to what other people uh, around him had. Brother Lawrence was a humble man, an unassuming man. He called himself the Lord of all pots and pans. He was a humble and quiet monk. And he made it his life's goal to be in constant conversation with God and to practice God's presence each day and to live with this abiding sense of resting in God. And his thoughts and his, his words have been collected into a book that's become a Christian classic. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. And here's what he says about the rest that he came to possess, the rest that he came to experience. He says, The time of busyness does not, with me, differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the Blessed Sacrament. That's a life of rest. That's the kind of rest that we're talking about here. It's not a rest of just taking time out, although that is vitally important, let me say. But there's another rest where Brother Lawrence can be in the middle of his kitchen, in the middle of activity, And he can still experience the same intimacy with God and the same tranquility of his soul as if he was taking communion or in the middle of a restful and peaceful worship experience. The same level of rest. Now, the way that he achieved that in his life is this. Here's what he says. Make it your study before taking up any task to look to God, if only for a moment. Do this often while you are performing the task and also when you are finished. So it's quite simple, really. But what he is saying is that as we go through our day, 
We should be intentional about punctuating our day with times when we consciously turn our attention toward God. Because I think the problem for, for many contemporary Christians is we've gotten so hooked on the idea of the daily quiet time. You know, that, that's, a, that's a discipline that, that we often talk about and this kind of one focused time during the day when you're with God, you have your quiet time, and then we're done. And the problem, good as that is, I'm all for the quiet time, but good as that is, you can find that you go from quiet time to quiet time to quiet time with not much sense of God in between. Some of my most spectacular sinning has been done on days when I've had a really good quiet time. But then you can just so easily leave God behind, can't you, and just pursue this other kind of life which is totally disconnected from God. So I'm not suggesting we should leave that focused time with God and in Scripture and in worship behind, but we've got to find a way of engaging with God in the course of the day. And Brother Lawrence just boils it down to this. He says, just have these times before you do something, during the task, after the task, where you just turn your attention toward God. Now, that's easier said than done, I know, depending on what the tasks are that are engaging you. But in our context, that might mean just as you're moving from one office meeting to the next office meeting, you're walking down the corridor, just for a moment, just turn your heart toward God and just acknowledge His presence with you. As you're showing up to the next client or the next customer or the next patient or the next student or the next call-out or whatever it is, just take a second to intentionally turn your heart toward God and remind you, remind yourself that you are in the presence of Christ. Christ is with you. As you're moving from wiping one runny nose to the next, making one school lunch to the next, just take a second, just a micro moment to allow your heart to turn back toward God and remind your soul, God is with me and I'm in his rest. Now you'd be surprised at what that practice can do. But it's not easy to cultivate. What I've found is it's helpful to have a phrase that you use, just to remind yourself that God is with you. One that I sometimes use is just simply the presence of Christ. And I just say it. When I, when I think of God, whatever situation, I'm sitting there watching Josh at swimming lessons with this busy, bustling school pool, and I just say, the presence of Christ. And suddenly it just bathes the whole room in the light of Christ. And you just see the situation differently. You see the people around you differently. You see the situation you're in differently. It just anchors your soul in the presence of God. Someone suggested, if you do have trouble with this, setting your alarm. Setting a watch alarm or some kind of phone alarm so that just periodically during the day, there's a little beep or something, and it just reminds you again and you just allow your heart to return to God again and just find that rest. And just remind yourself again that He is with you and you are with Him and you are safe in His presence. Just allowing your regular day to be punctuated by those intervals. And that means being intentional about it. That means taking the time. It may mean that to get this going, you need to think of a specific place. I know someone that does this in the bathroom. Sounds a little bit crass, but she knows she's going to be there a few times a day. And so that's the place where she knows she will just reconnect and just recenter and remind herself, Christ is with me. Whatever that looks like for you, try to find those moments of intentionally Shifting your attention back onto God as you go through your day. And the goal of that practice is that over time, what you find is that alongside the intentional times of turning to God, your soul is more anchored in Christ's presence and at rest, even in the times when you are not consciously focused on God. Obviously, there are many times, most of the day, when, when we're 
mentally and emotionally engaged in whatever's going on around us. But by taking the moments to center ourselves in the presence of Christ, we find that they start to spill over into the times when our attention is not directly on God, but our soul is still at rest in his presence. Here's what Brother Lawrence says. Although this exercise may be difficult at first to maintain, it has marvelous effects on the soul when it is faithfully practiced. It draws the graces of the Lord down in abundance and shows the soul how to see God's presence everywhere with a pure and loving vision, which is the holiest, firmest, easiest, and most effective attitude for prayer. So Brother Lawrence found that by taking these moments of turning his attention toward God, even then when he was in the kitchen and he's got different voices calling at him at once, he was able to be at rest. He was able to be at, at some level in conversation with God. So what happens over time, and, and again, I'm, I only feel like I'm paddling in the shallows with this, only just starting to learn this in my life. But the goal over time is that you start living at two levels at once. You, you, you're almost like you've got a parallel existence. At one level, you're going about your day. You're answering emails, you're meeting with people, you're taking care of the kids, you're dealing with your class. Whatever you're doing, your attention is engaged. But at another level, at a deeper level, you are at rest. So outwardly, you can be busy, you can be racing, you can be frantic. And inwardly, your soul is lying down in the green pastures and walking beside the still waters. And God is refreshing your soul. Outwardly, you're engaging. Outwardly, you're active. Inwardly, you are being renewed. Minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. Now, how many of us would love that? I've got to admit, I desire that more than I experience it in my life. But I long for that. I long for that double existence, whatever you want to call it. Because it doesn't mean that you have to become a hermit and give up the busyness of life. There are things that occupy our time, that's just life. But it means that you can be outwardly hurried without being inwardly harried. And stressed that our soul can be still and quiet and at rest and that that can have nothing to do with what is going on around us. I know there's a lot of times when our soul for whatever reason is not at rest we don't feel restful on the inside there's going to be times of anguish you go through times of grief, you go through times of conflict, through times of turmoil in your life, your soul just comes unstuck, your soul becomes restless again. But what I'm finding is that as I slowly learn to practice the presence of God during the day, I find it easier to lead my soul back to rest when it becomes decentered and destabilized. It's like leading a wandering sheep back into its pen. You know? And I find that the more I'm able to be in conversation with God during the day, the easier and the quicker I find it to be able to lead my soul back to its rest when my soul becomes unsettled. I think this is such a journey. And realistically, it's lifelong, isn't it? Finding how we can engage with God during the day, how we can experience that deep rest for our souls. And the one thing I would say to you is don't be discouraged by failure in this area because it does take a long time. And, and you're going to go into a day, you're going to wake up in the morning and go, today I'm going to, Find rest for my soul in the presence of Jesus. And I'm going to practice the presence of God right through the day. And you're going to get to the end of the day and realize you haven't given God a second thought. 
But please, in those times, don't become all guilt-tripped and self-loathing and condemned and full of self-pity. Just allow God to remind you you're already in his rest because of Jesus. You already experienced that rest for your soul when you belong to Christ. It's just learning to live out of that rest. And so allow God to renew his grace in your life, to renew his love, and ask him then tomorrow to help you just experience a little bit more of his presence, to be in a little bit more constant conversation with God. Ask him to remind you, to prompt your heart to turn to him in those moments, to bring him into the meetings, the conversations, the looking after kids, whatever it is, to bring him into those situations. Ask for the help of the Spirit in doing that, and I believe he'll honor it, and he will reveal himself to you as you go along. And alongside that, it is so important that we do take times where we are physically resting. We've talked a lot today about rest during busyness, but if all you do is practice the presence of God in the midst of a relentless life and you never take any downtime, you will burn out. And you will struggle to really find a deep rest for your soul. We need to build into our lives rhythms of working and resting. And I've got to admit, I'm not great at this at the moment. I'm on the journey with this And God's showing me some things in my life that I need to correct in this area. We've got to develop healthy rhythms of working and resting. And that might mean, especially if you're looking after preschool kids, that there is no such thing as a Sabbath day. There's no, you know, inconvenient as it is, your kids don't often give you a Sabbath day, do they? They just don't understand the meaning of the concept. So maybe for you it's just taking times, just moments where you can have time out, where you can rest, where you can catch your breath. Build some margin in around the edges of your life. However you can, do whatever you need to do so that we experience these two kinds of resting. One is resting aside from our work, which is so important, but even more deeply, learning to rest while we work, resting while we go about our day. So I really believe that however busy you are, however stressed out you are, However restless you feel, there really is a rest that Jesus offers you. There really is a deep resting in him. And not just as a one-time gift, not just as a shot in the arm, but as an ongoing experience of his presence in the course of our everyday lives. And as we learn to practice that rest day by day and just enjoy experimenting and exploring what it means to keep conversation with God, then over time we come to identify with the words of the psalmist who said, My soul finds rest in God alone. From him comes my salvation. He is my rock and my fortress and my refuge. I will not be shaken. May those words be true of us as we learn to rest deeply in Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, we just take this moment to acknowledge your presence with us. It's easy, God, we confess sometimes even to go through a whole church service without being deeply aware of your presence. We can go through the motions. But God, we just remind our soul now that we are at rest in you. And I pray that God, somehow as we go from this place today, that we would take that rest with us into the busyness and the chaos of whatever waits for us this day and this week. I pray, Lord, you'd teach us to be inwardly resting in your presence. Thank you, Jesus, that we are yoked to you, that we can come to you and find that rest for our souls because your burden is easy 
and your yoke is light. We thank you for that. Help us to practice this. Help us to practice resting in you day by day. Draw to, to our minds your presence with us regularly this week and lead our soul back to find its rest in you. We pray it, Lord, for your name and your sake. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources or to donate to our teaching resource ministry or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.